The Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. Well, I hope you're having a good Monday. Hope you had a great weekend worshiping the Lord Jesus Christ. And today we have something very special. Uh, Alex McFarlane could not be here today. Jim Stanley could not be here today. So I didn't want to have this rodeo all by myself. So we've invited a staff writer from The Stand. If you get the magazine, The Stand, you'll know this name. He's also a pastor. And I, I love always discussing the Bible with him. He and I have had some great discussion. Matthew White. Welcome, Matthew. Thank you, Brother Bert. Thank you for having me today. Well, it's good to have you. Uh, tell us a little bit about your family. I, I, people people get to know each other on Exploring the Word. We feel like it's a, the biggest, uh, largest Sunday school Bible study group in America, at least one of them, if not the biggest. Yeah, amen. <clears throat> well, I've, um, I'm a pastor, as you just mentioned. I've got a wife and five boys, and I don't think you even know this, Brother Bert, but I've got a little girl on the way. Uh, we, you we, finally, <laughs> amen, Matthew, announcement for <laughs> yeah, America. That's right. That's so, uh, right. We just recently found that out. So, Congratulations. Um, yeah, a so, little girl. A little girl. Little girl well, so. amen. My wife was afraid with three boys. She didn't want to take a chance on another one being like their daddy, and so <laughs> she didn't want to in case this girl, but it's good to have you today, uh, brother. Good to be Appreciate here. Appreciate you. We're in Mark chapter 12. And again, we're looking at the last week of Jesus' life. He's coming on Sunday on the triumphant entry, and then he leaves, and and, uh, he comes in the next day, and the fig tree, and he cleanses the temple. He leaves, according to verse 19 in chapter 11, and when evening had come, he went out of the city, but he comes again in the morning, verse 20, and again, the confrontation, we'd call this day of confrontation. And in chapter 12, we find him giving a parable. It's called the parable of the vineyard owner. And Matthew, when we see that, we find it, it's a lot to do with the Old Testament. And it also has to do with a lot with that uh, culture in there. Mm-hmm. And the the scripture that, again, that it goes back to is Leviticus uh, chapter, let me make sure I wrote that down, Leviticus 19, 23 through 25 that when they went into the land, if someone owned the land and someone was going to lease it, uh, they could not get any of the fruit for the first three years. But on the fourth year, it was the Lord's. Mm. It was of the Lord. And here we find this, that sets up this uh, parable of the vineyard owner. And who's listening? The Pharisees. Mm -hmm. They are listening. And let me give this at the very end. I, I thought this was very important. Then we'll read it. It says in verse 12, And they sought to lay hold on Jesus, but feared the multitude, for they knew he had spoken the parable against them. Mm-hmm. Now, it helps sometimes to read ahead. Sure. So you can, and it gives you better understanding. And so let's look at this. It says in verse 1, Then Jesus began to speak to them in parables. A man planted a vineyard and set a hedge around it, dug a place for the wine vat and built a tower, and he leased it to vine dressers and went into a far country. Now at vintage time, he sent a servant to the wine dressers, and he might receive some of the fruit of the vineyard from the vine dressers. Now this, again, they weren't supposed to eat it, but they were to send back examples of the fruit, not necessarily for great money, but to show what progress was being made. So he does this three times, and what do they do? The first one, what does it say they did? Uh, They beat him in verse Mm 3. They beat him, and they sent the second one back the next year, the servant. And again, uh, we find out that they stones him, wounded him in the head. And then in verse 5, the third year, he sent another, and this time beating some and killing some. Listen. The three years, what do you think? Do you think they were trying to say, you're in a far country, Mm. you may own the land, but we're not dealing with you anymore? Mm -hmm. They were uh, clearly rejecting what they had been sent. They were, and they had agreed to this. And then on the fourth year, now remember what we're talking about. This is from Leviticus 19. On the fourth year, 
that which was gathered was unto the Lord. Mm -hmm. It was a a kind of a a love offering to the Lord, and they were not to partake of it. So he, in verse 6, therefore, still having one son, his beloved, he also sent him to them last, saying, they will respect my son. But those vine dressers said among themselves, this is the heir. Come, let us kill him, and the inheritance will be ours. And they took him, killed him, and cast him out of the vineyard. Now, again, that's what they did. This represents, uh, do you think it represents the law, the prophets, the word, and finally he Absolutely. sent Jesus Christ? Absolutely. It's, uh, and, and you tell me what you think, Brother Burt, but I think uh, this harkens back to what Isaiah talked about in Isaiah chapter 5. It and, is. And the first seven verses there talking about the, uh, well, it was a parable. Uh, that Isaiah spoke. That Isaiah spoke. Par- parable of the vineyard, and and uh, he was telling them what was going to happen, exactly, know, and how it was going to play out. And then this is exactly what we see here. And so here, here Jesus sets this pattern. They understand. They know Isaiah. They know Leviticus, and they know what's expected. Absolutely. And so it cuts them to the bone. Verse eight, verse nine. Therefore, what will the owner of the vineyard do? Now that's Jesus' question. After he gave the parable. He asked those who were listening, what will the owner of the vineyard do? And Jesus says, he will come and destroy the vine dressers and give the vineyard to others. Mm-hmm. Okay, Jesus came unto his own. And his own received him not. And uh, Jesus let him know. And remember this, Matthew, before Jesus made his way to Jerusalem, he went up to Tyre and Sidon, which was Gentile territory, mm-hmm. and there he met the Syrophoenician woman, and there was, uh, you know, that that took place there, healing and casting out demons and great things, and he went up even to Caesarea Philippi, which was a combination of Gentiles and, and Jews, and then he made his way to Jewish territory mm-hmm. all the way. And so this is a word picture that he gives. And his disciples weren't happy with him for stepping outside of that <laughs> that box, so to speak. They, they had not caught the vision. They yet. had not. Uh, do you think there are some folks that still I don't catch the vision yes. about God's interested in all people? <laughs> yes, I do. Okay. Yes, I do. And uh, then he reads some scripture, and this is from Psalm 118. The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. Mm-hmm. Jesus is the stone, the Messiah. He is the one that has come and was completely rejected. Mm-hmm. And so Jesus sets this up, and again, their response is verse 12. Mm-hmm. They knew it was Jesus that was uh, that he was talking about them. So notice what it says. So they left him and went away. Mm-hmm. Now, they're not through yet, but every time they send somebody to Jesus to try to trick him, to try to, to catch him in some kind of a manipulation. Jesus sends them running, doesn't he? He does. He knows their hearts. He does. And this brings us to the next one that is much more familiar. Now, the vine dresser, uh, it's not as familiar as, as a parable as many of them, is it? Mm-hmm. It's not. But I, I would say on the, the vine dresser, <clears throat> it's interesting to me to read through that and to see what God had put in place for Israel for their success, their flourishing. He wanted them to. He wanted them to be successful. I mean, if you look at the vineyard and the layout, he set a hedge about it. He dug the pit for the wine to be able to go into. He set a watchtower over it. He he gave them everything they needed for uh, life and godliness, maybe. Does that sound? You know, he gave them everything they needed to be successful, yet they repeatedly rejected all the way back from Moses study the Old Testament, they rejected every one of those people who would come along, and they had this, you know, this uh, perpetual cycle of, of rejection, um, just exactly like it's laid out there in the parable. They certainly, as you mentioned, they would have known exactly what Jesus was talking about when he spoke to them in this parable, which is why uh, they sought to lay hands on him. Makes sense. Jesus said, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets mm. and stonest them. That's right. How many times I'll, I would have taken you under my wings mm-hmm. as a mother and takes her chicks, but what? But you, you would, would not. not. Amen. And this, this parable sets that up as an explanation again and again and again. Complete. They had it all give. God prepared it for them. God prepared the land. He had prepared the opportunity. He gave them the resources. And they turned it away. They squandered it. They did. Well, verse uh, 13, would you mind reading verses 13 through 17? Okay. And they, <clears throat> and they send unto him certain of Pharisees and of the Herodians to catch him 
in his words. And when they were come, they say unto him, Master, we know that thou art true and carest for no man, for thou regardest not the person of men, but teachest the way of God in truth. Is it lawful to give tribute to Caesar or not? Shall we give or shall we not give? But he, knowing their hypocrisy, said unto them, Why tempt you me? Bring me a penny that I may see it. And they brought it, and he saith unto them, Whose is this image and superscription? And they said unto him, Caesar's. And Jesus answering said unto them, Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. And they marveled at him. They marveled at him. Mm -hmm. Now, the first hint of a problem is the two groups that's coming to see <laughs> strange him. Now, Matthew, alliance strange right alliance right <laughs> alliance i mean let's let's go over that i mean we're talking about the pharisees that were uh you know jewish to the hilt all the regulations uh they didn't like the roman no. influence the herodians on the other hand they go along to get along they get along they they're called friends of herod really mm. which was appointed by rome and and they were enemies in far as politics were concerned. Oh, sure. They would squabble with each other. They didn't really like each other. They did not. <laughs> but they have a mutual enemy. Enemy. And that is the Lord Jesus. And so that's the first one. And it says, and Mark makes it, lays up. And it says in New King James, to catch him mm -hmm. in his words. Yep. They, they were not seeking information, were they? No, no. No, in fact, that word uh, really carries the idea of hunting. Yes, you know they were hunting him to <laughs> ensnare him. Is ensnare that, is ensnare. the word that really you would uh, look at it some. And when they came to him, they said to him, "Teacher, okay, you know, flattery, yeah. flattery. Start out that way. <laughs> we know you are true and care about no one, what men think or whatever, and you do not regard the person of men. You don't see positions, but teach the way of God in truth. Now, if they really believe that, it'd be." be all right sure but yeah. they it's just it let me say it's lies it's lies it's just that, for is what they know is it lawful to pay taxes to they thought Caesar they could puff jesus up that's exactly right they okay and and they thought they could trick him but notice this shall we pay or shall we not pay now i think we can do this before the break the pharisees didn't want to pay it oh no the herodians wanted them to pay it so here it is. They're trying to set Jesus up. So no matter which one he says, the other group will be anti. That's right. And and so they'll have charge against him either way. Either way, they're setting him up. But Jesus, I love this word, knowing the hypocrisy. Yep. Okay. That means he didn't take those words seriously, That's Matthew. Right. Hey, we're going to come back and we're going to look more at Mark chapter 12 and talk about Caesar and talk about the image of God. It's going to be interesting. Amen. Stay tuned for more. This is Pause to Pray. A chance each day to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today we pray for Oregon Governor Tina Kotek. She is the state's 39th governor, as well as a former member of the Oregon House of Representatives. Galatians 6.2 reminds us of the conduct of a good leader. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Right now with this in mind, let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, we ask for guidance for Governor Tina Kotek as she leads the people of Oregon. We ask this in Jesus' glorious name. Amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team. A nonprofit, nonpartisan ministry dedicated to encouraging prayer for our nation's leaders. To learn more, go to pausetopray.org. Dr. Tony Evans says too often there's no connection between what we do for Christ and what we do with Christ. We'll discover the difference devotion makes as we spend two minutes with Tony. A man saw a box of dynamite and had danger, explosives inside, dynamite. When the crate was opened, all it had in it was paper. That's what Jesus is saying. You got dynamite on the outside, but you paper thin on the inside. Many people want to know, and many churches want to know, what's wrong with me? I am doing all the right things. I don't have joy, I don't have peace, and I don't have power, but let me show you what I'm doing. I'm doing all the right things. 
And that's Jesus' concern with his church in Revelation chapter 2. A church where duty had displaced devotion. Whenever our duty for Christ becomes more important than our devotion to Christ, we become dynamite on the outside, but paper thin on the inside. The great danger of this church, with all of our programs, which are fine, God commends them for that. With the hard work, which is fine, he commends them for that, is that we lose out on the heart of God. That we lose our passion for Christ in our performance for Christ. Learn how to build your life on a bedrock of full-out commitment to Jesus. Check out Tony's CD series, Pursuing Christ, available online at TonyEvans.org. Then join us next time for Two Minutes with Tony. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek Him in His temple. Psalm 27, 4. American Family Radio. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Welcome back to Exploring the Word. It's a special day. It's special because we've got someone brand new who is helping us co-host Exploring the Word. Again, as I said earlier, Alex couldn't be with us today. Uh, Jim Stanley could not be with us. And so we have Matthew White. And again, Matthew is a writer for The Stand. And if you get The Stand, uh, you would look through there each month and you'll find an article or two That's right. that Matthew has written. And he does that so well. And uh, so he's also uh, a pastor and loves the Word of God. And so we're thankful for being with us today. Mm. Well, thank you for having me, brother. We hope Bart. it'll be the first of many, brother. Oh, well, thank and, you. And Maybe we're looking so. forward to it. Well, but we're in Mark chapter 12, and it's where the Pharisees and Herodians came to try to catch Jesus with one of their questions. And his, they were talking about taxes. Do you pay it to Caesar or not? Now, the Pharisees, they didn't want to pay those taxes. The Herodians, they wanted those taxes paid. So if Jesus took one side or the other, it was going to be anti the other side. That's right. So they were trying to put Jesus in a no-win position. Absolutely. Let me ask you this. Do you think Jesus has ever put in a no-win position? I don't think so, Brother Bert. I can't think of a time when they, they tried to put Jesus. And even when he went to the cross, he was in charge. That's right. Yep. Uh, he let Pilate know, you you don't have any power unless it was given to you from above. From above, that's right. So Jesus is in charge all the way through. And uh, I, I, this really demonstrates it more than Amen. any. And so he said, why do you test me? Now, he catches that. It really tempting him, trying to, God cannot be tempted, so it is testing. Because the reason Jesus, can't, he was tempted in the wilderness it was really a test. Now, Satan was trying to use it as a temptation, but God was demonstrating his power, even even uh, in the wilderness when, when he was came, come and tempted. Sure. Even when Peter said, uh, Jesus, you don't want to go to Jerusalem and die, and he took him aside and rebuked him, mm-hmm. and Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. So you do not put Jesus in a situation that he cannot handle. So he said, bring me a denarius or a penny, a day's wage, that I might see it. So they brought it, and they said, and he said to them, whose image and inscription is this? And they said to him, Caesar. Hmm. Exactly right. He was there. So he says, Jesus answered, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. Now, you can't help but remember whose image that is. We're made in the image of God. Right. And matter of fact, we have a great, great ministry in his image. You can go to the AFA Resource Center, and you can get that, and it, it'll help you in identifying God's plan for gender and sexuality. It's a great, great, great uh, a piece of literature that will help. It's on film. It will really help. But here, uh, Matthew, Jesus is saying, okay, you Pharisees, guess what you do? 
you use that denarii, you use that penny, you use this. So here you are, you're saying you don't want to use right, it, right. and they use it all the time. Right. So honestly, they're under the authority of Caesar when they use money. Sure, sure. And, and I think it's amazing uh, that they, you know, they they planned this, they conspired against him, they they had this well thought out question where they were going to stump him. But then Jesus gives such a simple answer. I mean, just a, I mean, a very simple answer, um, just to give to Caesar what is Caesar's and God the things that are God's, and they marveled yeah, at no, that. Yeah. They marveled at that. They did, and and we live in that. I we say, well, we don't want government. You know, all government is evil. No, government is is a necessary issue that human beings need when they live together. Sure. It was the it was when Jesus sent them into the land, and you had the period of the judges. You still had a system to regulate their lives that would help them, and and that's why you you have different situations. And like in the book of Ruth, the kinsman redeemer, mm-hmm. the kinsman redeemer in each family, they were to take out justice. Mm-hmm. So God's always had a system. You can call it a government. Now, Jesus was always smaller. God's was always smaller, but it was still a system. When did God give them the Ten Commandments? Right before they went into the land. Sure, yeah. God ordained the government. And he really he, did. He set it up for his people so that they could thrive and, and flourish and live and, and live in the blessings that he had already given them through the covenants. So it wasn't the Roman government that was wrong. It was the Roman government and the way it operated that was wrong. Absolutely. Much like our government today. You mean there's a correlation <laughs> there? You, man, you said it. You could be Alex taking that when doing that that quickly. So, uh, yes, it is. And so what? And we in America, because our Constitution says we the people. Sure. We we have something to say about it, and that's why American Family Association have alerts. We have uh, AFA Action that gets involved in these government uh, issues, mm-hmm. and we try to understand and have people to understand what's important. So it is important for us to be a part of that system and that government. Sure. And the Pharisees were a part of it, although they were saying, oh, we're holier than thou. We're, we're, we're not part of the Roman uh, government, but they were using the money. Right. If you're using the money, guess what? You're part, you're part of, of it. it. It wasn't that they didn't want government. They just didn't want that government. That's exactly they right. They their government. That's exactly right. Now, again, the, that was the Pharisees and Herodians. Guess who comes Another next? Another group joins them. The Sadducees get in the mix here. <laughs> well, do you read just a little bit of verse 18 and following? Uh, then come unto him the Sadducees, which say there is no resurrection. And they ask him, saying, Master, Moses wrote unto us, if a man's brother die and leave his wife behind him and leave no children, that his brother should take his wife and raise up seed unto this brother. And then, of course, they go on and he, they it present goes on this and on hypothetical and on. situation. Uh, all the way to seven? All the way to seven. That's right. <laughs> then finally the wife dies. The wife finally dies. Yeah. Uh, it is hypothetical, Okay. And this is from Deuteronomy chapter 25 when it talks about the seed. Now, this has to do with the land as well, you know, how the land was to be divided up, and it's all connected there. And uh, so the question is what? Therefore, verse 23, in the resurrection, when they rise, whose wife will she be? For all seven had her as wife. Now, the hypocrisy of it is in the they didn't even believe in the resurrection. <laughs> they didn't believe in the supernatural, the, the spiritual, uh, uh, or, or the or the um, oral law for they that sure matter. Didn't. They didn't. All they wanted was the first five books. Right. They didn't want any of the prophets. They didn't want any of the poetry that we have that they had in the Old Testament. They only wanted that. And so there were so many. Uh, you would call them very liberal. Right, they, they were the most liberal. The Pharisee, it shows you the Pharisees, very rigid, conservative, and Sadducees, very liberal. Mm-hmm. Almost yet, humanistic in yes, their... Yes, it is. Yeah. And yet, they agree. They don't like Jesus. Right. Uh, and that's the whole idea. So Jesus answered them. Would you mind reading at verse, uh, starting at verse 24? All right. And Jesus answering said unto them, Do you not therefore err, because you know not the Scriptures, neither the power of God? For when they shall rise from the dead... They neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are as the angels which are in heaven. 
You may keep going there. Yeah, go ahead. And as touching the dead, that they rise. Have you not read in the book of Moses how in the bush God spoken to him, saying, I am the God of Abraham, and the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but the God of the living. You therefore do greatly err. Amen. <laughs> hey, again, notice, Jesus verifies the resurrection. Absolutely. Of, of men, those that know Christ. Uh, he says, you don't know the scripture, and you don't know the power of God. I, I, I like how Jesus takes the very thing they claim to believe in and he uses it against them. Yeah. And, he, and he says, do you not, do you not know the scriptures that you claim that you know, uh, which, you know, if you read the old Testament, uh, there are numerous accounts of resurrection, exactly. uh, you know, or references to the resurrection. And here he uses Abraham, God, uh, Isaac and Jacob and <laughs> notice his words. Jesus says, I am the God, which is mean present. Not I was. Right. In other words, they are what? Still, Still alive. alive. Even though uh, Jacob had been dead for 200 years at the, <laughs> at the incident of the, of the burning bush, and Isaac had been dead for over 200 years, and Abraham for over 300 years, <laughs> but yet he said they're alive. They're alive. <laughs> and so here they are. It doesn't say anything about them, but they went away. Let me say, you remember the rich young ruler that went away sorrowful Mm -hmm. because he had great riches? These Sadducees went away sorrowful because they had been had. They had their tails tucked. They (laughs) really did. They went away. And so Jesus noticed in verse 26, in the book of Moses, he again, as you said, he uses the scripture that they so proudly proclaim is the only ones, not the prophets, not the poetry. No, we mm-hmm. can't take any of the Psalms of David. We can't take any of the Proverbs of Solomon. No, it's just the books of Moses, and he turns it on them. On them. And so here it is. Uh, now, what does it mean? Let's go back as the angels. Uh, I, I believe with all my heart it, it's, it's saying that those angels uh, are – I hate to say sexless, but they're they're not given an in marriage. Their relation, our our bodies, uh, are the people that, that are in heaven right now. That they have their their spirits are there, their souls are there. One day they'll be reunited with their glorified bodies. Mm-hmm. But even in the glorified bodies, there's neither marriage nor given in marriage. Sure, the relationship we have, uh, Matthew, we have this all the time. When I get to heaven, will I know my husband? Will I know my children? I think the Bible is evident, says that we will know as we're known. As we're known, sure. They knew Moses and they knew Elijah at the Mount of Transfiguration. But the relationship is 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 different. It's we as if you're a brother, if if my brother Dwayne is saved, he is my brother, uh, humanly speaking. But both of us are saved, so he's my brother. Sure. Spiritual, yeah. You know, your wife is your wife here, but both of you are saved. So you're also brother and sister in Christ. Right. Amen. When I baptized all three of my sons, I said, I baptize you, my brother in Christ. Right. And uh, I, and one of them, I said, my son, who is my brother in Christ, yeah. you know. So it, it is a relationship that way. And that relationship stays up in heaven. Sure. And I think that's uh, sort of the big picture that they were missing in all of this is that, you know, the program is different uh, in heaven than it is here. Uh, on earth, our relationships are for uh, procreation, propagation. Uh, that was some of the earliest commands we had in Scripture, to be, pr- be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Uh, but in heaven, that, that number, that population is fixed. It is fixed. There's no need for procreation. There's no need for you know further propagation. There, it's a different program than we have here. Our minds can't understand that necessarily. Um, but it doesn't mean that that's not the reality. <laughs> that is. And then we go on, and then one of the scribes come. Now, I think he comes with the intent of, of questioning, but leaves with some, I, I think he leaves with some hope here. Let me, would that be all right, read that right now? Yes, sir, go ahead. Okay. Then one of the scribes came, and having heard them reasoning together, perceiving that he had answered them well, asked him, which is the first commandment of all? Jesus answered him, the first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. The second, like, is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. 
There is no other commandment greater than these. So the scribe said to him, Well said, teacher, you have spoken the truth, for there is one God, and there is no other but he. And to love him with all the heart, with all the understanding, with all the soul, and with all the strength, and to love one's neighbors oneself is more than all the whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. So when Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. And after I love this last, after that, no one asked him any more questions. Yeah, I like that. But do you see the sincerity in this scribe? I, I, At least, uh, I, I believe, after he heard it, he was very sincere. Yeah, I, I do. I, I agree with you. Um, I, I don't think we know exactly if this was one of the other scribes that was originally there. But I do think there's certainly the potential that this one was sincere and, and seeking some true answers. Uh, I, I feel like he was probably... Uh, dissatisfied or disillusioned with uh, the way the whole religious system worked in that day. If you you know if you know anything about uh, the scribes and how they you know ascended the the ladder so to speak in society yeah. and they became uh, the religious elite, but yet their um, th- Judaism was just characterized by materialism and uh, uh, hypocrisy and and uh, legalism and all of these things. I can imagine that within that, if anybody was truly seeking truth. Uh, they would become disillusioned with that. I agree with you. And and the scribes had come up with close to 600 specific uh, obedience that you had to keep. That you had, that's right. And and then he says, which is the greatest, and Jesus simplifies it to two. To two. Yep. Uh, obeying those two, I, I want to tell you, it sets it sets you free, doesn't it? It absolutely does. And, and and the and the scribe, I think it resonated with him. Uh, he realized that you know um, uh, because he went on to say that 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 is greater than than all the whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. That, that's a pretty big statement coming from a, a scribe. And and I love he gets it to love him God with all your heart, understanding, soul, strength, and then love one's neighbor as oneself. It's more, and you said it. The whole, the whole, the whole that that encompasses everything, every one of those you can put into that category, loving God and loving your neighbor. Sure. They were so focused on the external and 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 Jesus, you know, the external rituals, the washing of the hands and all of the things that they did. And he's it, it looks like to me, he's kind of beginning to get the picture here. I do. Too. You're the, not far. Yeah. It's like some of those in the book of Acts. Uh, they heard Paul preach. Some would reject him. Some would receive him and say, we want to hear a little more. Yeah. I think he was ready to hear a little more. I, I believe this guy, after what Jesus does, the resurrection, I believe I believe we may see him in heaven. I, absolutely. Hey, we're going to uh, take a break, but we're going to take your phone calls and give us a call right now. American Family Studios was started back in 2011 as a way to advance the Christian worldview into an increasingly media-rich culture. Media is like such a powerful tool to communicate the gospel. I love writing stories, getting in my office, and just thinking, how can we portray this concept of who God's character is? And to get to use the gifts that God has given me is really a joy. AmericanFamilyStudios.net The loss of a child through an abortion affects the emotional health of families. Feelings of anger, sadness, and regret can be overwhelming, but there is hope and healing in the aftermath. Call the International Helpline at 866-482-LIFE to talk with someone who has been where you are and healed to help others. Your call is confidential. 866-482-LIFE. By the grace of God, American Family Association is making a difference. Bert Harper, co-host of Exploring the Word. And we want to continue to make that difference. God's called us to it, and we have set our face as a flint like the prophets in the Old Testament to stay true to God and His Word. So I want to encourage you to support the work here at American Family Association. Contact the AFA Foundation today to learn how you can shore up permanent income for your retirement years while supporting the culture-transforming work of the American Family Association. A charitable gift annuity benefits you and helps ensure the AFA will impact America for generations to come. Call 800 
800-326-4543, extension 345. That's 800-326-4543, extension 345. The AFA Foundation, the Financial Stewardship Division of the American Family Association. All discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful, but sorrowful. Yet to those who have been trained by it, afterwards, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. U.S. Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals Judge James Ho denounced the recent disruption and intimidation tactics employed by law students and seemingly supported by the administrations at Yale and Stanford Law Schools. Judge Ho called it intellectual terrorism. He also called out the cowardice in those schools' administrations for failing to discipline the intellectual terrorists and has refused to hire any law students who enroll and graduate from either of these law schools unless they curb the anti-intellectual discrimination at their institutions. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Welcome back to Exploring the Word. Bert here and our guest host today, Matthew White. Alex could not be here. Jim could not be here. And uh, we've been talking to Matthew about the possibility of coming on and what an opportunity this is. And we're so thankful that you're with us, Matthew. Now we get to the place where, okay, we got to answer questions. And uh, But let me give a praise first. We want to say thank you to all the people that shared in Sherathon. And the reason I didn't give the number is because for the three days, I gave a different number to share And then all of a sudden, what is that number? It is 888-589-8840. 888-589-8840. We've got lines open. You can give us a call. Uh, we'll, we'll research Matthew's mind and, and see uh, how well we can answer that question, if it has an answer that we can't answer. But we're so thankful for you. But we had such a great share Close to 20,000 people called in. We had, uh, you know, amount over 4 million, I know, uh, contributions. And we just praise God and thank God that God put it on people's heart to be a part of share So we want to go to the phone lines and again, let's go to North Carolina. Brandon, welcome. Or is it Brand? Not, yeah, it's Brandon. Welcome, Brandon. Hey, Bert and Matt. How you doing? We're doing well. All Matthew, right. they got your name down, uh, that's man. That's right. All right. Uh, glad you called today. <laughs> Thank you, guys. I just got a quick question. I was uh, teaching some kids about uh, John chapter 11, the raising of Lazarus. And a good question come up. If Jesus delayed two days after he was told that Lazarus was sick, and then by the time he gets to Bethany, which is just a couple miles away, how was he dead four days already? And even going by the Jewish calendar system of days, I'm still not quite adding it up right. So could you guys kind of just paint a picture of a timeline for me? And I really appreciate it. Thank you. Okay. Thank you so, so much. Good question. We rem- I remember going over that in New Testament at Blue Mountain College. And Dr. James Travis said it took one day after he had died. He was sick, but he could have died immediately. So it took one day for that guy to get there, and that was one day. Two days, he delayed Brandon, and then one day going to where he was. Uh, the two complete days that you have, again, you have, you have the possibility of part of the first day and part of the last day. But altogether, that'd be four days involved. But two total days, uh, you know, the and that was the way it was explained to me. Sure, and I would agree with that, Brother Bert. So, so here you have it, Brandon. It took a day, the territory, for him to walk. Again, it wasn't like he could get him on the uh, phone and say, hey, come on over, Jesus. But I, I want to say this. He did it for the glory of God. And uh, I, I love this passage of Scripture when Jesus would say, you know, uh, this was for God's glory, and it really was, that he had raised him up four days, and uh, it, it was showing his power. He raised three people up, 
from the dead while he was here. One was immediate. One was uh, just a little while. And then the third one, four days. Mm. Uh, someone has used that, as I would say, Alex would hit say, let me spiritualize that. Uh, it doesn't matter how long you've been away from Jesus. If it's been just a little bit or a good bit or a whole long, he, you can come back to him. Amen. And I love that. So that number, again, we've got phone lines, 888-589-8840. Thank you, Brandon, for that good call. I hope that it really was. That I believe that is the answer. Let's go to Texas and talk to Mary. Mary, welcome. Thank you for taking my call. I tell you what, Bert, by not giving that number out, you gave me an opportunity to get in today. <laughs> well, praise oh, the Lord. I'm glad God. that worked. Hey. <laughs> Listen, I'm a one-track mind guy, so if I get one number on my brain, I don't do good with another one, but we're glad you called, Mary. I appreciate that. Hey, um, I my husband and I are semi-retired, so we listen when we can, but we enjoy you so much when we do, and, and you gave a piece of advice to me probably five years ago uh, over the air, I heard you say, that when you are reading through the Bible— and I've, I've been a Christian since I was um, 14. I accepted Jesus as my Savior. Um, and I had read the Bible here and there with devotionals, but had never read it from beginning to end. And I started doing that about five years ago. It took me two, two and a half years to do it. And you had said, you know, don't get on such a rigid schedule that you don't slow down and really take in, you know, yeah. if God puts it on your heart to slow down and and God did that with Isaiah 55, and um, I, I stayed in it for probably two months. I couldn't move beyond it, Amen. and I uh, had me right at the right spot that I needed to be when I got to Isaiah 61 when we had a real tragedy in our family. So I just wanted to thank you for that, and I praise God for uh, giving me a love of his word, um, truly, that I've, I just haven't had in my walk until about that time and um, a hunger for it and how he's used it to really bless me. So I just wanted to thank you for that advice and wanted to ask for a little help. Um, my husband and I took a, a trip a, about a month ago and visited some friends and family we had not seen in decades. And one of those friends we discovered, and we had prayed that we would have a spiritual conversation with each home where we stopped, and God opened the door for that. Um, and we found out that our friend has really... Um, been misled and is believing in reincarnation, um, has, uh, he's, he's thinking the Bible is not authentic, that man has changed it to control. And um, of course, we shared our personal testimonies. And I, and I shared with him, I said, you know, Jesus elevated women and their status. It doesn't seem like men have, it seems like they would have twisted that, right? Um, so I, I don't feel like we did a great job, but, you know, I wanted to ask your advice. What, where can we go to help him to, yeah, understand the authenticity of the Bible? Thank you, Mary, for your call. Thank you for uh, reading the Bible that way. And I, listen, I'd say when you come to a place and God speaks to your heart, settle down there for a while and take it all in. And you did that. Concerning your friend, we'll pray for him. Uh, ask God to give him. Uh, Eastern religions, uh, see, they will go along with secularism, and it's amazing how they don't attack those kind here in America. So the Hindu religion, the Eastern religions, uh, and then they morph them into other things as well, and that's probably what's happened. But let me just share, there's a book that I'd recommend. Matthew probably has some more, but there's a book by Josh McDowell, and it's smaller He's got several big books, but there's one that's small that people can read more than a carpenter. And it really sets the stage for understanding the Bible, the validity of the Bible, and also who Jesus Christ is. And and then Elise Strobel, A Case for Christ. That is lengthier than more than uh more than a carpenter, but it's still good. And if he'd be willing to read those, they are good resources. Yeah, I agree with those recommendations uh as well. But um Ultimately, I think it, it, it comes back almost like the people we've been talking about in uh, Mark chapter 12 here. Um, the problem is not, in, in, in my humble estimation, the problem is not a lack of evidence uh, that verifies the truth of Scripture. It's, so it's not that people 
cannot believe it's that they just won't Maybe. believe it's just a, it's just an outright rejection and um as much evidence as we can give them and i do recommend doing that of course but ultimately uh, it's a work of the holy spirit opening their eyes to their their lost state and the reality of jesus christ and, and his resurrection it is and there's no, and i go back to pharaoh in mm-hmm. the book of exodus he had more evidence than anybody that could ever had but because of the hardness of his heart, he would rejected that. Absolutely. And that happens a lot, Mary, and you can pray for him. And so how do you pray for someone like that? Lord, give them an opportunity. Uh, let them bring somebody into their life that will challenge them, bring e- e- circumstances and events in their life that they'll see what they are trusting in is not sufficient. Amen. And, and I, I would just add to that, um, never, never lose hope. Because if you look at Saul of Tarsus, <laughs> nobody in the world would have thought that that man would have given his life to Christ. Last person in the world. Last probably. person in the world. But he had an experience on the road to Damascus where he found himself in the dirt and he had nowhere else to look but up. Amen. And that was to Jesus Christ. And and so if, if he can save Saul of Tarsus, he can save anybody that's out there. Mary, thank you for your call very much. Let's go to Richard in Arkansas. Welcome, Richard. Hi, thanks for taking my call. I appreciate your um, your show. I just wanted to make a comment about this marriage in heaven topic. Um, I think God created man, and God saw a need that man had, and so he made a woman. And then man and woman um, can become one and, in a sense, become complete. And unity and completeness is very important to God. And so I think that there's a sense— um, that, uh, sorry, I think that there's a sense that when we go to heaven, we have a chance to have a unity and a completeness with God that perhaps we don't even experience here exactly. Um, and uh, that whole chapter in John 17 addresses that. And I'll, I'll hang up and let okay. you comment on that if that's all right. Richard, that is a great comment. And I, I, I uh, listen to your words I see that in Christ, uh, down here, there's need for male and female, for procreation, also for completeness in personality and in needs. But in heaven, there will not be those needs. And your word of completeness, I, I, I don't think there's anything wrong using that term. What do you yeah, think? and I think that sort of goes back to what I said uh, a little bit earlier about the, the program being different in heaven. I mean, and, and uh, to, to the caller's comment, if you go back to Genesis 2, 18, the Lord said that it's not good that man should be alone. Well, in heaven, man's not going to be alone. We're going to have God as our... <laughs> Amen. Uh, Amen. The unity will be there. Richard, thank you for your observation. It, it really was a good one. Let's go to Greg in Kentucky. Welcome, Greg. Hello, guys. Thank you so much for your ministry and taking my call. Um, the context to my question is, I'll start just a couple verses real quick. I won't read them all. Uh, Mark one twenty one, uh, it says, and they went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath he entered the synagogue and was teaching. That's Jesus. Um, and uh, then as I move forward, and I believe he's still in per- uh, Capernaum, in chapter three, uh, again he entered the uh, synagogue. That's chapter three, verse one. In that story, Jesus heals a man with a, hithered, with a withered hand, and Jesus looked at them and said in verse 5, he grieved at their hardness of heart. So now I skip forward to Matthew, uh, excuse me, Mark 5, uh, verse 21, and I believe Jesus is going back to the Capernaum area. Jairus is the synagogue ruler who brings wants Jesus to heal his daughter. Is Jairus the synagogue leader of that synagogue um, where Jesus was looking at them in chapter 3 and just grieved their hardness of heart? Um, is there any way to know? I've looked through some commentaries, and I, I can't find a specific answer. I'm just curious to know your thoughts on that. Great, great follow-through. I love the way you're studying the Scriptures there, Greg. You read it through, make those connections. Usually there was one synagogue, and there's no evidence that I've 
when I visited Capernaum, when I was in the Holy Land, that was one of the questions, and they talked about that. It seems like there was one, and he would have been noticed, one of the rulers. Now, that what that meant was some could be there and some was not there at the same time. It's sort of like Thomas uh, when he was not in the upper room the first time Jesus appeared. But, again, guess what changes? When, you're, when your daughter is sick or dead, all of a sudden your perspective changes, and he remembers the withered hand being healed. I wonder what else he can, what do. can he do? You, do. I hope you follow my thoughts, Greg. In other words, Lobbus put it this way. I've been saved a long time, 58 years. I've been saved 58 years, and I love him more now than I ever have. But I want to just tell you something, being the parent of three sons, now being the grandparent of five grandchildren, you, you, you have a perspective that is different, and you, it, it softens you on some areas, and it makes you more determined on others. So I believe Jarius' heart was softened because of circumstances. Sure, absolutely. God works that way with us all of the time. And as you mentioned, as we grow and as we see, uh, we, you know, we bear witness to what God can do. And it makes us hunger for more of that. But let me say, Greg, that's that's good Bible study that you've just done. Keep doing that. And let me encourage everybody who is listening to follow through that and look back and see uh, what, what was said earlier. And that was awesome. I appreciate that. Let's go to Mississippi and talk to Kenneth. Kenneth, welcome. Hey, how you doing this morning? Doing well this afternoon. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, um, I just had a real quick question. I truly believe that once you truly accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, and that you are saved for life. I don't believe that you could lose that salvation. But in Hebrews ten twenty six, I just was going to see if you could kind of talk about that. Can you get so far away from God that you could actually lose your salvation? Well, let me tell you, there are people on both sides that are godly that disagree on that. That's the first thing I want to say. When you look at John and Charles Wesley and the Wesleyan uh, movement, uh, there was that. But yet at the same time, uh, you had those that did not. So there's both sides. I come on the point of once saved. But I always say once saved. Make sure you're saved. Uh, The Bible says, you know, that we're secure in him. And nothing shall separate us from the love of God. And when you read Hebrews 9, uh, uh, 11 20 or 10 26 and you see that uh listen if, if if you walk away from opportunity of serving christ there's no other way christ is the only way amen i, I and i fall I, i'm in agreement with you and uh i believe is i believe it was john who said they went out from among us because they were not of that's us that's over in the book of first john if they had been with us that are no doubt continued with us let me share everyone that is listening make sure that you know christ is savior He'll take care of keeping you. That's the whole idea. He is the good shepherd, and the good shepherd loses none of his sheep if you follow him. Thank you, Matthew. I appreciate it, Brother Bert. We'll be back tomorrow with more of Exploring the Word. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.